Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Jessica and Carla's High School Reunion and Episode 4. This week, we caught up with our classmate Tom Smith as he recovered from hip surgery. We talked to Tom about how he met his wife, Annie, his journey to a career in the law, and how he surprised himself, but maybe not the rest of us, by becoming our high school's board chair. We hope you enjoy this episode with Tom. You look so cute! You've oh my your God! Glasses and your your dramatic collar. Oh, just a little jacket. Yeah, I like it. I look like I'm sitting in a furniture store. Are you? No. <laughs> well, it's amazing, you know, where you can do things these days. Maybe you yeah. were American furniture and. <laughs> I mean, it is pretty funny. This is like an 11 by 11 foot room. And there are two oversized dressers, two bunk beds, a a desk, a bookshelf, a nightstand. It's pretty ridiculous. But that's where the Wi-Fi is good. You just go with it, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And it's where I can shut a door. And no one will bother me. Best best of all. (laughs) Well, I just got the reason I'm wearing... My glasses, I just got back from the eye doctor starting about three days ago. I just started to lose sight in my right eye. Things kept getting blurrier and blurrier and blurrier. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, with eyes, you just don't know. And I was putting my contact lenses in and then that was really irritating my eyes. So then I would be wearing my glasses, but then I just couldn't see. And then this morning I woke up and I'm like, I really can't see out of my right eye. Like it is just super blurry. So I was able to get into the eye doctor and you know what it was? There was like either an insect wing or a leaf that was attached to my cornea. So they had to take it off. Oh my gosh. But in the meantime, like my eyes are all dilated right now. (laughs) hell is going on I can't see anything I'm so glad because when you say that I'm thinking I mean could this be like some optic nerve thing or you've got glaucoma in one eye or I mean so that's hey an insect wing insect wing I will take it so I just got back from the eye doctor (laughs) so I don't feel very cute I feel like you know, when you get your eyes dilated, you can't see anything. You're like squinting at the light. <laughs> well, I hope you learned your lesson. What was my lesson? Do not hang your head out the window when you're driving like, you know, like a puppy. You should keep your head inside the car. And that way insect wings won't attach themselves to your cornea. <laughs> Lesson learned. I'm just going to have to keep my head and my tongue inside the car. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I wonder when that happened. I don't know. I don't know. Just did. It could have been a leaf. It could have been, she said, it might be an insect wing. She gave me, showed me the pictures. It was so bizarre. That's wild. What's, yeah. I mean, it's been a long few weeks. We've had everything from a high school graduation to both my parents getting COVID at that from my sister-in-law oh, no. to Piper in the play, lead in the play, fabulous, knocked it out of the ballpark, awesome, to my mom falling, breaking four ribs, landing no. in the hospital. Like she didn't get in the hospital because of COVID directly, but then she got out of the hospital. And so then I've been bouncing back and forth to San Francisco driving with one eye. <laughs> oh, God. We had a dead rat in the pool. Let's see. Ew, what else? Ew. Oh, and the dog got, had, a, had a paw injured. So it feels like I've lived like 10 lives in the last basically two weeks. But Yeah. Are your parents okay? Yeah, they're fine. My dad was fine. He basically had a cold and my mom, you know, she's she. it was worse for her. But the real bad part was the fall and being in the hospital. And being in a hospital, as you know, is not great. No. Mm-mm. Hospital care. 
not so good these days. No, no. So, we, we're, yeah. really, we're really hurting when it comes to people in the medical profession and mm-hmm. in schools. Yep. We have worn mm-hmm. our people out, man. Yep, for sure. <laughs> like, isn't there some job I can do remotely? I'm going to mm-hmm. do that instead rather than deal yeah. with irate people. Yeah. What about you? What's going on with you? Um, we adopted a dog on Friday for Gray for my oldest son. And um, she's a cutie. Her name is Clover. She's a little over two years old. And um, she's really a sweet girl. She definitely needs a little training. But, you know, she's pretty much feral until she got to us. So I feel like considering that, she's she's a sweetie. She's going to be What great. kind of dog? Uh, I would say some sort of mutt with some pit bull for sure. Mm-hmm. But she's not squat like a pit bull. Mm. Um, she's got kind of a longer face. Mm-hmm. And she's not like got that big, huge rib cage. She's kind of mm-hmm. leaner, taller. Mm-hmm. But she definitely kind of has a pet bull kind of look to her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah. poor thing. I mean, she's 39 pounds now. And when they found her on the streets in February, she was 20 pounds. Oh, and no. Now. I mean, she was emaciated. So she's just so happy to be in a house. And <laughs> Luna is treating, is teaching her little sister how to do what she's supposed to do. So it's been good. And Gray's moving into his own place in a month. So he'll have a fenced in yard and can have Clover run around and it'll be great. And the other thing that's cool is Gray started a job. Oh yeah. How's H H G B H G B. Awesome. He comes home every day with hilarious stories. Yesterday, there was this woman who she was checking out and she had these big purple glasses on and she was like, I'm getting ready for my office potluck. Some of the people I know really well, some I don't know at all. So I figured I'm going to spice it up. Really expensive strawberry milk, like in a glass special, I don't know, strawberry milk, pickles. And then she was going to make a jello salad with Cool Whip maraschino cherries. And she bought those little cake decorating eyeballs that she was going to put little eyeballs on. Gray is like, I really wish I knew where this lady works. Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. And then also there was like a 70-year-old gentleman who came in and bought a whole bunch of condoms. 70, you said? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. Wow, are these like for your grandkids? Of course, you can't comment, but it's like, okay. Maybe he's also having an office party. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, I was telling a friend of mine here about it, and she was like, well, you know, the chlamydia is rampant at Westminster, which is like this assisted living place here. I was like, oh my God. E. We went to um, the Widow and Widowers Club meeting recently because Piper's, you know, they were doing the play, an abridged version of the play for the Widow and Widowers Club. But as I was looking around, there was definitely some some uh, some flirting going on among the widowers and widows. That's an so idea. I'm just saying. Oh, I know. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's some life goals man yeah. uh, I think, though, you're definitely using condoms purely for STDs, STDs. I don't think anyone's worried about getting pregnant in that group Although maybe if the 70 year old is having sex with a 30 year old <laughs> well, Al Pacino is about to have a baby with his I girl I saw that he's what? <laughs> That's my dad's age. I mean, it's ridiculous. it's ridiculous. I should talk to my dad about that and get his take. Because <laughs> she's like 29 or something like that. Oh, my 
gosh. (laughs) You should talk to your dad. I would love to hear his commentary on this. (laughs) Rob Robbins, tell me what you think. (laughs) (laughs) He would have a wry comment about it, and I would love to hear it. Probably more power to him or (laughs) something like that. So I want to hear a little more about graduation season. Well, what was it like for you? I mean, you it was actually really great. Educator hat on, the consultant to schools yeah. hat on, the mother obviously of the graduate. I mean, yeah. I feel like you're a you have a lot of lenses on graduations. You know, it was so nice. And actually, this is I didn't get to see Lily Silver graduate because it was COVID. So she didn't really have a traditional graduation. And I've seen a lot of graduations in my life. And, you know, it's it's actually nice to know the graduate and the graduates, right? Oh, yeah, sure. In in a different way, like to be the parent. It was emotional. It was sweet. You know, I really loved his school, um, Robert Louis Stevenson. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. So it's just a lovely backdrop. You know, it's right in Pebble Beach, which is not a shabby place to go to school. And, you know, we got some really nice photos, you know, with the Pebble Beach background. That was nice. Um, It was hard to have that much family, you know, as you can imagine. There's a lot of moving parts. And if there had been one thing I wish I had done... I would have written an itinerary agenda down for every grandparent so that they knew exactly what was happening when. Just heads up if you get a few more years down the road, because <laughs> the memories are not all what they used to be. And telling my parents when to show up for something does not mean that they remember that or Mark's mom. So there was a lot of just like, oh, didn't I already tell you that? And yes, I did. But then I just sound like a jerk because they just aren't <laughs> tracking at all. So right. if I could go back, I would have just written down everything on one page and just handed it to them so they could refer to it. It's just got to remember these things. Um, but it was great. And it was so fun to see, you know, Jackson with all of his friends and boys and girls and whatever. It was just so great. And he seemed really happy. And now he's back and working at a golf course, you know, wiping down golf carts and being helpful. And that's great. That's awesome. A really nice summer job. It is a pretty good summer job. I'm going to turn that off. I have um, decided since I last talked to you that I'm going to go to New Mexico next month. Ooh. For my, for my anniversary. Cool. Ryan and I Where decided to, to do a little trip and uh, we're going to fly in for a weekend. And my parents are actually going to be in Sicily at the time. <laughs> cool. So we're going to stay at their place and um, nice. go up to Santa Fe for a day. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm thinking, what am I, what do I want to do? Oh. You know? I mean, wow. Duran, obviously. I have been, I have, the last two times I've been in New Mexico, I have not been able to get into Duran's. The lines have been so long. Really? So just a heads up. I mean, I didn't have like all day to wait. Right. But both times I've shown up like on a weekday in the middle of the week for oh, lunch, right. even late, like one o'clock. And it was like a two hour wait. So it's just gotten really popular. Okay. Thank you for the heads up. Yeah. I would just get there early. Yeah. That's what we'd have to do, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, I yeah. love going back to Los Poblanos for dinner. I think I went there with you for the first time. That's awesome. We have, we made dinner reservations for there for the night. Mm-hmm. Of the so that'll be fun. Yeah. Well, you should drive up past the school. <laughs> you bet. For sure. <laughs> All right. I Speaking it. of school, Tom yeah. Schmidt is our <gasps> guest today. I know. Let's talk yeah. about him. You know, <laughs> Tom is somebody who I never knew that well until really our senior year. I felt mm-hmm. like suddenly 
I got to know him much better and not through classes or anything, but I think through senior activities. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you remember that he had that injury in the fall and he mm-hmm. couldn't finish the soccer season. And um, I really admired the way that he handled that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and didn't sulk and pout about it, but really did what he could to still be a leader on the team. And um, he's just a great guy. And then he ended up working for my dad later, right out of law school. And I think my dad probably overworked him and Tom was smart and was like, you know, I could do my own practice and do what the hours I want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I'm looking forward to talking to him. Um, well, first of all, it took me at least until like the last year to stop calling him Tommy. I have to oh. say. Oh, I still in my head, I'm still there. calling him Tommy. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to train myself. Mm-hmm. But he and I were in the same eighth grade section together, 8F, <gasps> as was Leah. So I was going to say, I didn't mm-hmm. realize that we were giving such preference to 8F in yeah. these initial interviews. Yeah. Well, both of them were great, but he was in my section and was super nice. He was always so nice. Um, but yeah, I had the same experience where I sort of knew him. I had classes with him kind of throughout school, but really senior year, I got back in touch with him and feel like um, I got to be pretty good friends with him also because he dated our friend Jenna for a little while. Remember? I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. I was seriously just thinking, who did he date in high school? Yeah. I've forgotten about that. And because of that, I, I hung out with him more senior year. And also, mm-hmm. I just remember distinctly, like last semester, senior year, he had a snake. Maybe it was his younger brothers, but we used to go over and watch him feed this gigantic, like, boa constrictor mice. And that was entertainment. And so that I really remember. <laughs> wow. That is not something I care to see. Yeah. When I was in college, I came back for some break, and my mother asked me to go get something out of the freezer, and I opened the door, and a baggie of mice. <gasps> was in there because my sister had gotten a snake and I guess you can feed them frozen mice as well. And I totally freaked out. Did the mice like fall over the floor or was they it just in a Ziploc bag? So they were, um, I mean, they did get tossed on the floor because as soon as I picked it up and thought, Oh, that is not a chicken breast. Mm-hmm. I and dropped it, but mm-hmm. they didn't, you know, they stayed in the bag, but I have no interest in feeding in snakes. snakes. Now, I wonder if he's continued with any of that uh, snake feeding, uh, reptile feeding. I don't know. He has two kids. I think both boys. I think, and so we'll have to ask him about it. We'll see if we'll see if that's correct. The other thing I would say about Tom is that, of course, he has become the board chair. Of the school. Yeah. Now that was, you know, as someone who works in schools and works with a lot of board chairs, you just don't think about someone, uh, you know, you your own people, your tribe becoming a, a board chair. Right. It feels like Doogie Hauser is your board chair. And you're like, oh, wait, we're 50 now. <laughs> but the fun <laughs> moment was still that way. I know. I was presenting at the National Association of Independent Schools, this, like maybe two years before COVID. So it would have been 2018, I think. Uh-huh. And I'm setting up my room and it's a three-hour session, which is one of the sessions you have to pay to go to extra. And it's a three-hour workshop. And I was doing one, I think, on futurist thinking. Mm-hmm. And people were coming in and all of a sudden this person comes in and I just had no context in the moment (laughs) and then all of a sudden I realized it was Tom 
And it was so fun that he came to that session and we had a blast. And then later he contacted me because he wanted to do some work with the board around thinking like futurists. And I was able to help him a little bit, but oh my God, it was so great. And then we kind of hung out that whole weekend. He came to some things. We have always have a big party at NAIS. Um, And so he came and we went out later. It was just so fun to see him. (laughs) Yeah, that's really neat. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that you called him Tommy when you first. I probably him. went like Tommy Smith. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> here. Oh, there he is. And look. <laughs> hey. What's so funny? Do I look funny? Well, we were no, just talking great. about how it's so good to see you, Tom. We were just talking <laughs> about how we're trying to train ourselves to not call you Tommy. I put it on my thing for a reason. I know. <laughs> and now I, we see that. We're like, oh, my gosh. That's awesome. So funny. So, you know what? I'm going to move this so we don't have to talk about it later. <laughs> oh, wait. Is that a crutch? Yeah. I just had hip surgery last week. So, <laughs> which is why this is supposed to be such a good time to do this. Because I was like, well, I'll be doing recovery. Of course, I went back to the office yesterday. And Annie, my wife, was like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be recovering. And then I went in today again, and then I was on a Zoom meeting just before this, and they were like, "What's that crutch in the back?" And I was like, "Oh crap, I should have <laughs> anyway." So yeah. Well, we were just reminiscing about how senior year you were injured and had um, had to end your soccer season early. Yeah, yeah, in the very first game of the season. That's exactly right. I, actually, that's one of my memories because I was saying how. After that happened, Bruce Bruce Musgrave took me aside. I thought he was such a good coach and he'd been such a good like mentor generally. But he told me, he said, you know, this might be a blessing in disguise. You need to take this opportunity to focus on your academics because you don't have soccer. And I and I actually did really well my senior year. So yeah, a lot better than I had done the rest of the time I was at the academy. So wow. Yeah. Interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. No, he was good. I remember sitting. It was what is now Brown Hall. I can't, we just used to call it the South Building, I guess, right? I don't remember. But I remember sitting on those stairs on the, you know, the entrance that goes down and you go out. I remember sitting on those stairs with him talking. I don't know how I did that either because my knee was all messed up. But anyway, <laughs> right now trying to sit down anywhere is, is a little more challenging with a, with a hip replacement. So, yeah. yeah that's, that sounds really How old are we? Not that I old. Know. <laughs> I know, right? Not that old. Right before you got on the um, recording, we were talking about how weird it is that one of our peers has been the chair of the board of the school. Because it feels like, wait, we're not old enough to do that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and of That's all the people like, oh, you're going to pick from our class? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been it's been a really that's it's actually been a really interesting thing to like see the school from the other side of the that kind of the the structure. And I was just it's very eye opening. And to think about what all went on when we were going through school there, changes of heads of school, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things, having gone through all of that, plus COVID, I'm like, okay. I think I've seen a lot of different sides of the school now. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and of course, you are also, you are a graduate. You are a board, a trustee. Are you still on the board? I'm still on the board. Still a board okay. member. Yep, yep. And you're a parent of two students, Correct. right? One graduate. My my older one graduated two years ago now. And my younger one is a uh, going to be a senior, rising senior. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. So. I think I have all the bases covered. I've never worked there. A faculty or staff would be the next. next <laughs> Maybe yeah. you can teach the con law class that yeah. um, Roger Eaton taught. I'm, I'm glad you remember that. I remember that class really well, too. But, yeah, that would be a cool class to teach or something like it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a good time. I've always wanted to teach, actually. Since I started on the board, that's been like – I'd love to do that. I just like finding the time and, and how to do all of that is another thing. But I always thought that'd be a really cool. Well, you guys are both teachers, so you know. But I really have enjoyed being on the board from that perspective is seeing the teaching side and like to understand how the teachers think about these things. Like you have no idea when you're a teenager and you're going into high school class, like 
what did I have to do? Prep a little bit for this class? You're like, oh my God, you have no idea the time <laughs> spent to get ready for these things. And it's it's remarkable. So yeah. Well, then I may be the only one who taught at the academy because I actually taught as a teaching assistant for Lucy Crane in mm. the summer school. And despite the fact that I was the worst procrastinator ever, she hired me to be her TA for high school study skills. <laughs> hey, do as I say, not as I do. Hilarious. My parents were like, what? <laughs> and I'm sure, Carla, you were like, what? But it was pretty, and she was wonderful. But um, yeah, being teachers, hard, hard work. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, welcome, Tom. Would you like us to call you Tom or for the benefit of our classmates who listen, <laughs> shall we refer to you as Tommy so they know who we're talking about? I think Tommy's probably better. Most of the people I know from high school still call me Tommy. I'm not going to change that ever. And that doesn't bother me at all. So that's good. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, welcome, Tommy. We're so glad to have you on our podcast. And we start with the same question. Okay. What have you been doing for the last 35 years? <laughs> oh, boy. Unfortunately, I've been practicing law, but uh, uh, so the last 20, nearly 20 of that um, was practicing in a small firm with my dad, uh, Bill Kelleher, who is Peter and Dan Kelleher's cousin, cousin. and uh, a guy named Mike Carrico, who's been great, and Jim Reist. And so it's a small firm. Um, and uh, doing estate planning and probate and trust litigation. And unfortunately, I just lost my dad on May 1st. So I, uh, yeah, that's been hard. So it's, yeah, it's been a tough time, but uh, I was very lucky. I had him, got to practice law with him for nearly 20 years. And uh, there were certainly some challenging times with him during that period, but a lot of fun. And I got to see him almost every day. So it was, I'm very fortunate, very fortunate. So, so. I'm curious about the choice to work with your dad. I know originally you worked with my dad and, and I'm sure that had some struggles. Um, and I work with Mark Thompson's dad and yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and I'm thinking that rather than you running away from our dads, you were choosing to walk towards working with your dad. But tell us a little more about that, that decision. Yeah. Well, I actually really enjoyed working with your dad and uh, and with RE and all the attorneys at Module. I had started there, gosh, right out of just not right out of law school, just as soon as I finished my clerkship in DC, and uh, and that was a lot of fun. But what bothered me was I felt this pressure to constantly bill bill a lot of hours. And when my son was born, um, my you know my first son Cole, I thought you know I don't want to have to have that pressure all the time. And, and I'd like to go work for somebody else. So I talked to my dad. I remember we were in Hawaii. My, my son was a year old, I think, at the time. And I said, you want, want to have a partner? And he said, great. And uh, I think I let the firm know. They asked me to stay on for a couple more months, which I agreed to do. And then in October of 2004, I started working with my dad, which has been great. So, yeah. Wow. Um, you know, we, we know 35 years is a long time, but maybe you can even back up a tiny bit for us. Um, and, and I'm, I'm even curious about why law and all of that stuff, but maybe you can back up a little bit and tell us, you know, once you left school, high school, what were some of the maybe two or three or four kind of inflection points in your life that kind of led you up to choosing your profession and maybe tell us a little bit about what happened after you graduated? Well, I'm going to not talk about what made me choose the profession because that was kind of like a what else am I going to do type of thing. But I'll talk <laughs> about how I got there. So yeah. uh, went to Vanderbilt, got in very late off the wait list. So I was going to go to Indiana with Eric Burton and Laura Cade and then got into Vanderbilt off the wait list and decided that I would go there very last minute. I remember showed up on campus basically when classes started and I talked to kids now and they do all these these uh, trips to their to the campuses. And I was like, oh, that's a waste of time. You don't you don't know what you want based upon a, a campus trip. But I just went and showed up. And, uh, you know, the South was a very different experience for me, but a good one. I mean, I thought it was a, a good experience, mm -hmm. but certainly very different from the academy. Um, 
And then, um, or from Albuquerque, I should say. And then I, I started taking classes. I didn't know what I gonna, was going to major in, but I really loved my humanities class at the Academy um, with Giles Pennington and Sean Murphy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I decided that I would become a philosophy major, which was probably pretty sad. But as a result of that, I knew I didn't have anything else I could do other than like drive a trash truck or become a lawyer. <laughs> so I ended up taking the, the LSAT and, uh, actually I took a year off after, after I graduated from Vanderbilt and, uh, went up to, I would have lived in Seattle for a year, um, hung out, actually lived with Chris Carley for a part of that time. Mm-hmm. and it was a lot of fun. Um, but I thought I wanted to live in Seattle. And, um, once I spent a, a full winter up there, I realized that's probably not the place for me long term. Mm, so I wet. still love the city, still love the city, <laughs> but it's, it's great. Um, and, uh, and then I came back for, and took another year cause I was supposed to go to Stanford law school. I got waitlisted and I thought I'd apply again. And that was a waste of time. I got waitlisted the second time. Just decided I'd go to UNM, which was a better financial decision for me, regardless. So, so that worked out really Rio well. Grand. That's my What's dad. That? My dad calls it the Harvard of the Rio Grande. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my dad, my dad worked at UNM for 40 years and he wouldn't change a minute of that. He worked with some of the best people and really talented professors. So I mean, mine too. My dad says that lovingly as a UNM alum himself and my mom too, both from UNM law. I was actually very impressed with the law school and and the professors there. I, I do think we have a really good program going on there. So I, I can't complain at all. I was, I was very impressed and, and I enjoyed my time there. The three years were great. Um, And I, my, my thinking was always, I wasn't going to practice in Albuquerque. I thought I'd go somewhere outside of New Mexico and, uh, and, um, so when I, when I started, I was about a year and a half. I was almost a year and a half in. And, and this is a funny story, too. So Dana Brown started the same day I did, as did uh, uh, Paula. Uh, God, what am I thinking? Sam, Sam she married Paul Sam. Right? Yeah, Paula started the same day. So Dana, on the first or second day of class, says, will you watch my backpack? I'm going to go to the bathroom and never came back. So she quit law school on the second day and uh, <laughs> she's now a PA and doing very well, but uh, law school was not for her. Paula Matusi was kicking butt about a year and a half through law school. Maybe not that long. Maybe it was the in the first year, but she was doing great. And then she decided to quit too. I was like, don't leave me please. But anyway, um, my, my theory was always like if I did well at law school and finished in the top of my class, I could go wherever I needed to go. Um, and then about a year and a half in, I learned that there were these judicial clerkships. And so I made a, a I didn't learn about, it to, about that until really late. So I had to get my applications and my recommendations done really quickly. I think I applied like 75 different clerkships just based upon location. I had no idea who the judges were or, you know, what their philosophy was or anything. I just applied and uh, got called very quickly by a judge out in D.C. with the local District of Columbia Court of Appeals. Um, went out there for a visit, got that job, and spent a year um, in D.C. Uh, with Annie. We weren't married at the time, but she came out there with me, and uh, we uh, we had a great time. It was a year in D.C. is good. One more year would have been great. Any time after that, I probably would have been like, all right, I'm ready to jump ship. Show. So, but that was a great experience. So, so really good decision on my part. Then I came back and started working for Module. I had summered with them at least one summer, and. Uh, and did four, five years there. So met some great people there who I'm still very close with. But so that was kind of part of the philosophy getting there. It also, um, the other big decision I made in college was becoming a Spanish minor because I did terrible in Spanish in high school, horrible. And, uh, and so I started all over again, almost. I think I was in like second semester Spanish and fell in love with, with Spanish, ended up taking a semester abroad in Madrid during my junior year and had a blast. And I keep telling people, if you're going to, if you have the opportunity do a year abroad or a semester abroad, mm-hmm. whatever it is, because it's such yeah. a great opportunity. So yeah. I've been pushing my kid, but I don't think he's going to listen to me, which is not surprising. He's a teenager. <laughs> not anymore. Well, both my kids are starting next year in a foreign country. Lily's doing her senior first quarter in Florence. And my son Jackson is going to Northeastern University and is starting in Prague. That is so cool. Northeastern is such a cool school because they have those, 
internships and things that you get to do too. I think it's a great, that's a great program. And uh, I mean, it, where's your daughter? Like, where's the, where's the quarter system that she's on? What, what school is that? Oh, she goes to UC Santa Barbara. <laughs> yeah. So they're all in the quarter. And my son at UW is on the quarter system as well. So I'm like, yeah, that's a, it's a great program because you can do just one quarter and you can, they compress those classes. So it's actually easier, but he doesn't want to listen to me, which I, I mm-hmm. sometimes I don't want to listen to me either. Uh, well, we're sort of also curious. I mean, I'd love to hear you tell how you maybe met your wife, Annie, the two of you, I just picture you so clearly. I think I had a little party at some point at my house, a holiday party, like early on after graduation. I remember the two of you being there. So you've been together for a long time. Maybe tell us a little bit about that story. Well, strangely enough, we met at Gecko's next to Scalo in Albuquerque, and I was just getting ready to start law school. And, uh, and I was there with my, who's now my ex brother-in-law, but he was my brother-in-law at the time. And she had gone to school with him and my sister at El Dorado, gone to high school together. So she came over, sat down with us because she was looking for a place to sit. And, uh, I started talking with her and then very rudely started going through her purse. And then we started talking about where we lived and figured out that her parents lived next door to my parents. And, uh, and it was, we, she, my, my dad, my parents had actually sold my dad. It sold the lot next door to him, to her parents after I went to college. So they always said that they paid for my college because that's essentially what that money was used for was for Vanderbilt. And, uh, and so then we would see each other kind of awkwardly, like at the, on the driveways, like, Hey, how's it going? And, uh, and then she told me I was take I was going to take her out on a date and I did. And, uh, <laughs> and that was good. I was amazed because I was getting ready to start law school. And I'm like, do I really want to start dating right now? I mean, I've got all this stuff going on. We started dating. And uh, strangely enough, we made it through law school. We also built a house together before we even got married. We also moved twice to, out to D.C. and back. And uh, and I figured if we got through all of that seven years later, I was like, you know, we should probably get married because we're able to do all, all this stuff together. So and it's been great since then. She's uh She's a great partner. I'll, I'll say that. Great friend, great partner. She's seen the worst of me, certainly recently. My dad's passing and the hip surgery and everything else. And so I really appreciate her and everything that she does. And she's a great mom. The kids love her and I love her. So, yeah. That's so cool that you married a, another Albuquerque person. Yeah. It's really weird that she was technically my next door neighbor. Well, I guess she wasn't. She wasn't living with her parents at the time, but... It sure was weird when when we were kind of like trying to figure out where our house was in relationship to mine in Sandia Heights. And I said, where, do you know where the Johnsons? She's like, yeah, they live two doors down from me. And I said, oh, then you're my uh, next door neighbor. And so that was <laughs> that way. You literally married the girl next door. Yeah, exactly. The kids, when they were young, loved it because they could just walk back and forth on Christmas and other holidays back and forth between the grandparents' house. It worked out really well. So, so wild. What a good yeah, story. I love yeah, it. What great. were you looking for in her purse, though? That's what I want to know. She had been at a continuing education for real estate, and she pulled out some food. And I was like, what other food do you have in there? So that's what I was looking for. <laughs> I was just hungry. You do that with all the women that you – that was like something you did when you dated women. You just grabbed their purse and looked That was it. the first time and only time I've ever done that. So it wasn't like a ploy that I had. But the, she would pull, I think she pulled out a Rice Krispie treat, and I thought – if you've got another one of those, I might want one. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm surprised well, she kept talking to me, frankly. but <laughs> And and then insisted that you take her out on a date. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind I of strange. Like her so. style. I yeah. completely. Yeah. yeah. She she just tells it like it is. Like, this is the way it needs to be. So, yeah. I love that. Me too. Yeah, and, and like everything, I, my dad used to tell me, I, He's like, you're really good, a better husband than I was because he had to control everything. I just tell her, like, she's bought two houses that we live in, the one we live in now and the one we lived in just before this one that she bought before I even saw him because, well, she does real estate for a living and I don't need that much, right? Like, I was like, that's fine. You pick whatever you want. As long as it has four walls and a roof, I'll probably make it work, so. Oh, that is wonderful. That's, the, that's like, that is really the key to a happy marriage, I think, right? Yeah. 
is yeah, mean, knowing what was important to, to you and what's important to her, to her, that's really important. To me, it's like whatever you do, I'm no one gonna be happy with. And I am. I'm very happy with the house we're in right now. So uh yeah, so it's great. It's it's worked out very well. I actually have one more I have one more question before we do a little back to high school, if that's okay. But um I'm curious, you know, one of the things that Jessica and I've been talking a little bit about is that, you know, it's almost 35 years since we graduated. We are now 51, 52, somewhere 50, somewhere in that in that range, right? And it's like, you know, what what sort of is so we're I, we're the same age if not older than our parents were when we were back in high school. And so what is surprising to you about being 50 50 in your 50s now that you just like could never have imagined when you were back in school or what's been surprising or even really joyful about this time in your life? Well, I, you know, I think I thought when I reached 50, I'd feel like more, I I don't know what I want to say, mature, because I still feel like I'm a kid sometimes. And it's like, you know, and especially when I get around my friends from high school, the things that we do, I'm like, why did we drink that much? We know we're not in high school anymore, but we still kind of, and it's, it's one of those things like the, the fact that people rely on me for their legal representation. I'm thinking, are you serious? You're going to, you're going to trust me on this thing. Okay. But no, those kinds of things I sometimes find still amazing that I thought I'd feel, and maybe it's a little bit like, maybe still don't feel quite as confident as you, as you thought you, I would at 50 or whatever it is. Um, I will say too, though, that becoming a parent, like, and maybe this is true for everybody, but you don't realize how how that affects you until you become a parent. And so from my perspective, looking back on how my parents treated me, how I treat my kids is uh, it's like you that is such a valuable relationship to have. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's really remarkable. And, and, you know, thinking about if I didn't have my kids around, how how awful that would be. And uh, I'm just I'm so lucky because my kids are so great. And uh, and I love to see them doing as well as they are. So I think that's the strange thing about being at this age too, is you just kind of find a lot of joy in, in the things that other people do. I still find a lot of joy in like seeing you guys and seeing my friends from, from high school, which is really cool. And, and watching my kids go through high school and seeing how these classes develop mm-hmm. is really cool. Cause I'm like, Oh, ours is so much better. It was so <laughs> awesome. Our senior year. So I, <laughs> I do tell them that I tell them we did a really good class. And we we gelled so well our senior year, mm-hmm. and I and I say that to Cole who had who was in COVID restrictions for two thirds of his senior year, so that was a little harder. But we really did have a remarkable class, I think, in that respect. Mm-hmm. It's, totally it's, it's great. Yeah. So, what are the things on your get to do list? Like, what are the things you enjoy doing these days? What are you passionate about? I really want to do more traveling and less working. It's it's such a hard balance for me to find especially right now. But uh, yeah, that's my, my, my next thing is I'd like to, you know, I, I see people with these, like the, the, I don't know, the Mercedes sprinter vans that are like, that looks like a lot of fun, right? Like I'd love to do that. Annie has no desire at all. So the way we travel is very different. Um, and what I'd like to do is do some trips with her. And then of course, some trips that I get to go do with my, with my buddies. Um, I, I do some of those biking trips and things like that when I, when I have time, but uh that's what I want to do more of. I'm just, I just haven't had enough time to do that, unfortunately. So that's what I'm looking forward to if I can get my button gear and do it. But it's interesting. I've met some other people like through Chris and that are just like taking advantage way more than I am of ski trips and doing things that they really just love to do. And I've been trying to push myself to do those things and just say, you know what? It's always going to, it's never going to be a great time. And so you just have to jump out and do it. So. Yeah. Are you still in touch with Chris Carley and Tim? And do you guys ever still bike those races or Alcatwim Alcatraz? You were doing that for a while. Yeah, we were doing triathlons. I stopped doing triathlons at about age 40 because the running started to be just too much. And so Tim and I have done some some bike rides since then, um, but not not nearly as much. We're, we're just, I mean, I, I really loved that he... And I guess this is another one of those moments in my life that's really that was like transformational. I was sitting at my desk at Module. I think I was about a year in, uh, and Tim calls me up on the phone and says, "Are you sitting in front of a computer?" "Yep." 
You got your credit card with you? Uh-huh. He's like, go to this website. We're going to sign up for this triathlon. And I signed up for Escape from Alcatraz, having never done any, like, well, I did competitive swimming when I was in elementary school. And uh, I hadn't really been biking. I'd been doing some running. So I had basically six months to get ready for, uh, to go swim through, uh, through the bay and uh, do 18 miles. It was great. I, I loved it. And I kept doing it for another basically 10 years. Until mm-hmm. I couldn't, but I really loved it. And so that was a transformational thing. And thanks to Tim for getting me out there to do it. But uh, yeah. no, we don't do that as much. I still keep in touch with them a lot. I saw Chris because my Cole, my son's Cole is going to UW. Oh, right. Uh, and Chris lives in Seattle. I get to see him a lot. And uh, when, uh, let me think, this wasn't last summer, but the summer before, when we took Cole up there to get him moved in, Chris took us out with his neighbor on this boat, The one of the... Uh, uh, wake, uh, wake surfing boats yeah. and a bunch of his neighbors came out and we were just hanging out, having a great time. And so, yeah, I still get to have those kinds of times with them. And Ken just came out recently. He stayed, he came over for drinks just before my surgery. So I got to see him and Tim and I still keep in touch a lot. So yeah, I, I've been t- texting and talking with him about the surgery and I'm doing this so I can actually go and ski and do stuff with him again. So yeah, that's, that's great. what the hit's for. So, yeah. I spent a decade doing one of those distance relays, you know, the 216 mile running relays through Oregon. I did it for 10 years straight with a group of friends every summer. And my husband was on the team too. And, you know, there are 12 people, two vans, and you rotate and you run probably like, it's not that much, but like 21 miles over the 28 hours or 25 hours or 23 hours, depending how fast we were in any given year. How many times would you run? Was it like a You'd run three times and do like, okay, got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you run three times and, you know, you sleep on the gym floor. But man, that kind of stuff is just so fun. I finally mm-hmm. had to retire because I just was like, I just don't know if I need to do the same thing again. Like a decade felt really good and we were really proud of it. <laughs> and then the next year was COVID anyhow. So <laughs> we got off just in time. I think that's impressive. I, I, I think a decade is plenty long enough. And the reason I say that is because there's so many cool things to do out there. Like I always thought that, you know, if I did the one race too many times, it was like, I got to go do these other races because they're mm-hmm. all over the place and you get to meet new people and see new things. So I'm, I'm glad you did that. And now you should find a different one to do. And my goal is still to do Ragbri out in Iowa and do the ride across Iowa. And my friends and I have been talking about that for years, but that's one of the ones I want to do. So. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I will I will make posters and stand on the <laughs> give you oranges or whatever. Well, the thing about it is it's actually, as far as riding goes, it's pretty darn easy because I guess the, in Iowa, kind of the way the roads run, do the agricultural thing is every 10 miles you run into a town. So basically you come into a town and they bring you pie. Pie is a really big thing about ragbri. And then wow. there's like, you can stop and eat and everyone kind of hangs out for a while. So you can do it in 10 mile increments and not go very far at all. Or you can try to get like 70 or 80 miles in in a day. But uh, but it's supposed to be a lot of fun. Everyone who talks about it says how much fun it is. And, you know, there's not a lot of pressure. It's not a race. And so you're just kind of enjoying yourself out there. And mm-hmm. uh, just a great time to spend with friends, right? I mean, that's that's really what this is all about. So And yeah. I love pie. Yeah, it'd be too. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean a, that's definitely compelling. Yeah. And the great thing is you can burn the calories that you just took in in the next section. So probably not all of them. <laughs> it never worked out that way. It's supposed to work out that way, but it really doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> Maybe we should go back to the past for a little bit. What do you think, Jessica? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're going to dive in. If you don't feel like answering any of these, just go, I don't know. Who was your high school crush? Oh, Jennifer App for sure. Jenna. Yeah. (laughs) I said I had forgotten about that, but Carla and I were reminiscing right before you came on and she said, oh, I think Jenna App. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Jennifer, I mean, I remember her being like that first person I had that like, crazy weird crush on that it was like oh my gosh and uh i remember looking for at her for her car every morning and she didn't come to class that much or at least not to the first class that much <laughs> as a senior 
And, uh, and so I'd be bombed if her car wasn't there. So, yeah. Well, you'll be happy to know that, that Jenna and um, her husband, Matt, have been living in my house in Portland, Oregon for the last year. Um, so I actually see her a lot. I see her um, in Oregon all the time because I they were in Bend and we have a house in Central Oregon. And then we have this house in Portland and they needed to be out there for their daughter. So she's great and she's just still lovely and wonderful. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, she's a great person I know. And uh, it's funny as you look back on those things and it'd be like, yeah, that was, a, that was fun to have a crush, but you start to realize things about yourself. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm with the right person now, right? Like, so, <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. So yeah, yeah for sure. I love that memory, though, of looking for her car when you come in in the morning. Yeah. She had a very distinctive car. It was the white and blue. I don't even know what the model was, but it's like a Ford, I think. But yeah, I can remember like, because you know, I'd come in from the academy entrance and you could see the senior lot there and she always right. parked in about the same place. And so I knew <laughs> if she was there or not. <laughs> oh, that's so great. I love it. Okay. Question number two. Munch pudding or veal birds? Discuss. Uh, munch pudding was definitely the 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 positive. I think the veal birds were kind of like, oh, we're having those again. But like <laughs> Mr. Pardee used to get super excited about it. Like he'd get a big, huge salad every day unless it was the veal. And then he'd get the veal. And I was like, really? That's the one thing you're not going to do the salad for? But anyway, so yeah. <laughs> Do you think it was really veal? I don't think so. No. <laughs> I I gone birds. <laughs> Just to make it clear, like, we're not really committing to this. <laughs> I, that's a good um, question. Loyal Lagore. God, that's amazing. Yeah. Impressive. Well, Mr. Lagore will never tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what clothing brand did you rep in high school? I'm gonna have to say none, just to like the for the fear of um, making one of those clothing brands sound really bad. Because I think I was really, really bad at dressing in high school. So, yeah, I kind of have some vague recollection of all of you and your friends wearing like Varney tank tops. I, I, oh, I do remember the tank tops. Yes. Oh my gosh! And there was a lot of at least like towards the end, there was a lot of uh, neon. Yeah. A lot of like really bright colored. I can remember being at the beach at one time and like maybe it was Farnay. I can't remember exactly which shirt it was, but yeah. <laughs> so great. Well, you were talking about Jenna's car, but we want to know what car did you drive in high school and then how did it meet its demise? Uh, it was a 76 Ford F-150, three on the tree, which means there was a three speed, but the, the shifter was on the on the the stick, the uh, steering wheel uh, shaft. And then it was the clutch like came up to, you know, to put the clutch in your knee almost had to come up to your chest and I had no power steering, no power brakes. It's got, it got, I, I got it in a couple of wrecks. I don't remember how it ultimately died. I think we sold it, but it was in pretty bad shape. So yeah, that was my car. Fun. Uh, you mentioned ACDC back in black as a yes. favorite. Did you have any other song or band that when you think about that era in your life feels really just the vibe? Probably the cure. Mm. Yeah. You know, I go back and, and I, you know, every time I listen to a cure song, especially, you know, the early stuff, I was just like, it takes me back. Like you almost feel like you're there. Black always puts me back into before, like a pre-game, pre-soccer game. I'd listen to that. So it was kind of like getting you hyped up kind of thing. Right. And when I hear that, I'm like, oh my gosh, this puts me right back. Sitting in my car getting ready for a, for a soccer game or something.
here I mean, there's a couple others I'm sure uh whenever whenever I Prince yeah Prince oh yeah Prince always yeah the cure just played two shows here um at Shoreline Amphitheater near me um and Matt Greenberg went to the first one I know for sure and um I just saw Duran Duran on Monday night and it was awesome. They were so great. I had the best time. <laughs> so I saw Sting, I think it was a couple summers ago now, but Leah was there and uh, Lindley, her, her sister was there. And I kind of remember who else, but I was amazed at how he still has the high. I was like, how did that, how is that possible? He looks fabulous. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. That was an amazing show. He did a great job. So I'd love to see the cure though. Yeah. Okay, so what high school teacher had the greatest impact on you while you were at school? Oh, that's a hard one. God, there were so many good ones. Um, I feel in some ways like it may have been, um, it may have been Bruce, Monk, Bruce Musgrave, although he was never a teacher of mine, so I can't actually... Uh, say that about him. I would say Frances Robertson, just because she taught me how to write. And that's been a big part of my life. And she was so kind. Like she didn't give up on me, even though she knew I, knew, knew I hadn't done that well, I think, but she certainly didn't give up on me and, and kind of brought the best out of me. And, and uh, by the time I, uh, I graduated, I felt like a much stronger writer. Um, and then I think the other one would probably be Doc, Dr. Wong in the strangest way, but he taught me how to be a good student and how to, you know, prepare my work and do all those things. I didn't always follow it, but I knew what to do if I wanted to do one. <laughs> so cool. What were your favorite hangout spots on campus and off campus? Oh, boy. Um, favorite off campus was certainly Dion's uh, or um, Chris Carley's house, Mark Thompson's house or Tim Reedy's house. Those were all those were all big, big time hangout spots. Um, and in fact, since my brother now lives at Mark Thompson's old house, I still get to hang out there. So, so weird. So weird. It's so <laughs> I weird. Love it. You mean so down weird. in, in, in Caballeros? Yeah. 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 That house. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I go over and I, I keep thinking, I said, you know, this used to be this way. And, and, you know, Sandy always had a big bin of rape of red vines in the, in the um, <laughs> On campus, I'm trying to remember where we used to hang out. I just remember the quad, hanging out on the quad a lot was, yeah. was where I spent the time. And I kind of remember hanging out, strangely enough, in like the uh, the locker bays. I don't know why, but I remember spending a bunch of time there. And like That's exactly what I'm thinking, is sitting on the floor yes, in those yeah. downstairs locker bays on yeah. the South Building. Yeah, I, I, I do remember too, like the time that we, someone took the creamy Italian uh, label from the uh, cafeteria and put it on Chris's back and he was walking around with that for like <laughs> an hour. And I, I think he finally figured it out in the locker bay. <laughs> so it's, I don't know why I remember that about the locker bay. So that's fine. Oh, for our next reunion that just says creamy Italian. He, he would wear it with pride. I know. So I have a, I have one of those cricket machines and I'm really into making really weird t-shirts with them right now. And I think next I will do that. I will do that for Chris Carley. That'd be awesome. Awesome. That would be amazing. You just have to get him to come to the reunion. Yeah. Actually, maybe I send it to him and say, please come to our reunion. And it'll get him there, don't you think? I, it'll it'll go a long way. I, the hardest thing is his son is like killing it in soccer right now. And Chris was such a fabulous soccer player. So he's totally into it. But like trying to get him to like take time to do something other than kid soccer related is hard. He's he's a great, great person and such a great dad. But I'm like, dude, once in a while, I get to hang out with the boys. Come on. So. <laughs> okay, we have a few more little questions and then... Okay. Maybe we'll find we'll end with a little bit like what's the future for you? But here we've got a few more high school. Um, do you have a high school regret? Something you either wish you had or had not done? Yeah, I wish I hadn't been a jerk to so many people. Frankly, I, I don't. I don't feel like I was nice to everybody all through high school. I think I did a better job my senior year, and I certainly done a better job since then. But I wish I hadn't been a jerk and thought I was too cool for people at some points in my career. Um, I, I, that would be one of my big regrets. I don't know that I have 
any others. I wish I hadn't torn my ACL my senior year of high school and that had gotten, but you know, that made me part of who I am. So that's probably just as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't have any recollections of you being a jerk. Oh, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. No, so. I really don't. Okay, um, good. You know, I, I, my recollection of you being kind and having integrity and nothing but positive. And, and goofing off. I mean, certainly goofing off. <laughs> I did a lot of that. I can remember in, in Bill Cow's class, Chris and I were trying to fill up a like a plastic water bottle. It was like a Sprite. And we were just trying, pay, tearing little tiny pieces of paper and putting it in there. And he got so mad at us for doing that. I mean, I, we weren't even interrupting the class, but we plainly weren't paying attention. But if Mr. Cug gets mad at you, you know you've done something that's not very nice. <laughs> so that's one of those things I regret. But anyway. well, I think that's not so much about kindness, but maturity, don't you ah, think? That's Sounds like something you're still you're still working on. I'm that's working, what, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Still working on the maturity thing for sure. Right. So you know, I think we're all we're all still doing that. I hope so. <laughs> if you could go back in time and tell your high school self something about the future, what would it be? What would you say to yourself, the Tommy of 1989? I would tell myself to take more risks in life. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, it was doing the LSAT, going to law school, all that stuff seemed very comfortable. And, uh, and I think that and that's what I tell my kid now is take more risks. Like just put yourself out there a little bit because if it doesn't work out, you don't lose anything. And if it does, it can, it can really help out. Um, but that's what I would say. Yeah. Take more risks, not probably like risks, like skidging behind, behind the car on a, on a tray from the cafeteria. We took plenty of those risks, but take more risks as far as career goes and, and people go like meeting people and putting yourself out there for people. Yep. Love that. Okay, we're going to let you channel Francis Robertson a little bit for this last one, which is what would focus, be the Focus, people, focus. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the title of your high school memoir? Oh, boy. Title of my high school memoir. Maybe just a waste of three years because I didn't waste my third, my senior year. So that's good. <laughs> A waste of three years. Yeah, I think I basically years. wasted three years. I mean, I wasn't. I was having fun and doing good, doing okay. But, um, but my, I feel like, I feel like so much happened for me my senior year in in great ways, and it and it it paid mm-hmm. off for the rest of my life. But it was three years of of goofing around too much and not really staying focused. So, it it could also be something you could reframe that as finished on top. <laughs> finish strong. I, I finish, finish strong. strong. There we go. That's good. I finish. Like that. finish. I love it. The glass awesome. half full. I like that, Jessica. Thank you. <laughs> I'm I'm here to repackage all of our trials and tribulations. That says a lot about me, though. Right now, maybe I don't know. So, <laughs> so well, looking we- ahead, yeah. what's coming up in your life that you're excited about? Um. Let me think. Well, you know, we were, I was going to be going to, uh, we, were, we were planning on going to uh, uh, Oktoberfest this year, but that's been canceled because I got my dad's memorial and, and other things that we're dealing with. So, you know, it's, it's hard right now. I've been, I was just thinking to myself, I've been too angry and too sad recently, and I need to kind of get out of those places in my, in my emotional state, um, more often. Cause it's just been, I mean, talking to you guys has been great. I've been smiling a lot more than I have for the last couple of, of last month anyway. But, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, I, I really want to start traveling and doing something. I'm looking forward to my hip getting fully back to normal or as close to normal as I'll get. I'll probably have a couple other joint replacements to do and then getting back to skiing, doing some more biking, and, uh, and doing a lot more things with, with my friends that, frankly, mostly friends from the academy, although not, not always. So, but, yeah. How do you feel about being an empty nester when your younger son leaves? Is, what are the emotions around that? You know, I, I guess when I, when I became a parent, my thought was always 
the goal was to make these kids independent and and to be able to take care of themselves. And so I feel really happy about that because that's what's happening. But I am going to be sad not to have them here. And although it's been great, my son, my older son calls either my wife or me every day and sometimes twice, two or three times a day. I am so lucky. He is such a great kid. I hope my younger son does the same thing. But, you know, it's hard. I'm going to miss him. But at the same time, I almost talk to them more doing that than I did when they were at the house and hanging out with their friends and doing all their stuff. So I don't know. I'm torn on that. Um, It also depends where he goes to school because I loved going and visiting them at school. Although I have found, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I go and the weekend is certainly not about me being there because they might we work in a couple of meals that I pay for, and then I don't see them much of the rest of the time. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's sure. right. That's good though. I love it. Well, Jessica and I both have these third children who are significantly younger than the other ones, and for me, it's been amazing because my oldest child is you know seven years; she's a junior in college. My son went to boarding school. So for high school. And so I have had this time with Piper that I haven't had with the other two. And I know that for me, it's it's always hard when any of them leave. That one's going to be really hard because I've just spent so much one-on-one time with her and we're very close and I'm close to all my kids, but just the amount of time. And when she goes, I know it's going to be a a little bit of a heartbreak for me for sure. How old is she? (laughs) She's 14, so she. I still have four more years with her, and uh, we hang out a lot. You That's know, awesome. so. that's so great. No, and I think if I if I had that opportunity, like you learn a lot with each kid, mm-hmm. you get to be, I think, a better parent. Definitely. I don't know if it's even better parent, but you just give up on a lot of the the things <laughs> that you worried about early on. Like, I look at new parents now, and I'm like, you oh. become a better human. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly right. Better human. You just, you don't worry about the little things as much as as I used to. And, uh, and I find that way, I'm that way with my kids now. It's like, you know, things happen and they tell me, dad, you don't yell as much as you used to. And I'm like, that's a good thing. I shouldn't yell anymore at all. But the fact that I don't yell as much is good. So, yeah. Oh, it's been so good to talk with you. You guys too. I'm so excited. I'm I'm so appreciative of you guys doing this and I'm I'm excited (laughs) to see what everyone else is doing. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, you know, you, we, when we got together for the reunions and I'm really lucky that so many people come back for these reunions, but at least you get to see and hear what people are doing, but it'll be nice to have this to go back and, and look at and see, see what happens. Jessica and Carla's High School Reunion is written, directed, and edited by Carla Silver and Jessica Slade. Our theme music, True Sight, is by Jared Matt Greenberg. Please subscribe and listen on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.